Hi, and welcome to the Circle of Film Podcast. I'm Ryan, and join me as we step into Fahrenheit 11.9 in today's review episode. I can show you the world. Just take a look through my eyes. Fahrenheit 11.9, a new documentary from Michael Moore, and, uh, you know, it's it's incendiary in a lot of ways. It comes attached with a, a reputation that, you know, only Michael Moore can really bring. It is... Uh, a, a play on the title of a previous film he made, Fahrenheit 9-11, which refers to the 9-11 terrorist attacks and how they affected uh, the world in the aftermath of, the, of those effects uh, based on what happened in the United States, based on what we did, uh, the, our this country did uh, to its surroundings, to its uh, neighbors, and so on and so forth. And so, in the same way, uh, Fahrenheit 11.9 seeks to look at November 9th, 2016, when Trump was voted president of the United States two years ago, and what that means, and how that has come to affect this country and other countries, and so on and so forth. And... Uh, I'll be I'll be really honest here. Most of this episode is going to be less about the documentary itself and and more about uh, the state of things, uh, in a sense. Uh, you know, I want to talk about the documentary to a degree. I want to talk about my experience watching the movie and and a very very pleasant experience that I had uh, in the theater, which uh, one of the best theater going experiences I've had uh, in my life. And then just kind of extrapolate from there. I have been doing this show. This is episode, oh boy, what number? I don't usually, I don't, I don't really care about the number that often. Uh, this is going to be released as episode 290. So we're nearing episode 300. Uh, I have done a lot of review episodes and statistics episodes and top 10 lists. And um, I've done, I did a lot of scavenger hunt episodes back in the day. And a handful of them I get pretty personal and intimate with my own feelings and my own thoughts and my own life. Uh, And this one, I want to do the same thing. Because whether, you know, whether you did or did not vote for Trump, whether you are Democrat, Republican, Independent, or, you know, describe yourself any other way, uh, I, I think... For me, politically speaking, uh, the most important thing is that you are open to discussion. And I think there are a lot of people that would agree with that sentiment. I think we see uh, on the news, protest rallies, uh, fighting, uh, um, just, just violent debates that ultimately become 
two people of opposite sides of a, an issue screaming at each other, whether that issue is abortion, whether it's gay rights, whether it's women's rights, whether it's uh, gun control or foreign policy or immigration, whatever the situation, whatever the issue, uh, too often those conversations just boil down to each person knowing that they are right and knowing that the other person is wrong. And it's part partly the blame is that these people aren't taking the time to actually explain the thought behind the things that they think. And the other part of it is not taking the time to ask why the other person thinks the way that they think without being um, derogatory, without being offensive, without being insulting, uh, without talking down, without, you know, looking down their nose at this other person who they believe is wrong on all accounts, who they believe is inferior, who they believe is stupid or ignorant. And, you know, it happens on both sides of a bipartisan system. It happens on more than two sides. You know, if you extrapolate and go to a different country that has a system that isn't just two parties, and it sucks. I mean, it just it just sucks. Uh, you know, I, I say this as someone who has been fortunate to have watched the person they vote for become president at least once in my life, and unfortunate enough to see that happen, to, to see that not happen at a different point. And, uh, you know, I was happy and let down. I was disappointed and angry and uh, you know i you know i've i've i'm 26 but i i have you know i've relatively speaking covered that political spectrum as a voter so uh, i i when i heard heard that fahrenheit 11.9 was coming out this wasn't an, a moment i wanted to relive uh when i when the when the election results were happening i was at work overnight at Target at the time, I was on my phone, I was refreshing updates and, and, you know, having the numbers roll in and, you know, Trump wins this state, Hillary wins this state, and so on and so forth. And, you know, I watched that needle uh, swivel uh, from, you know, pro-Hillary to, you know, it's pretty even to pro-Trump to Trump winning. And it was soul crushing it, it was incredibly devastating uh i i was hurt you know i had voted that morning after my previous shift from the, uh, the night before i remember standing in line with other people and this man and woman you know who didn't come together but knew each other they lived near close enough that they knew each other and they were talking as if they, they were not they were they were somewhat concerned that that Trump was going to win at that point um, well before any of the media outlets were concerned and it wasn't a, a legitimate concern it was more like it was I remember one of the things that the man said was surely there can't be this many stupid people can there and uh, I understand where that sentiment comes from. I understand, you know, you you 
you've we've we'd lived through eight years of Obama presidency. Uh, we were we being the you know everyone had lived through eight years, and the people who had voted most of the people who had voted Obama into office uh, were, if not satisfied with the job he had done, uh, weren't didn't it didn't seem to me like we they'd they'd felt betrayed. You know, it wasn't, you know, it's not like he broke all the promises he made, but it definitely wasn't the saving grace that I think a lot of people expected him to be. And that's difficult to say, but it's it's true. And so I personally was a, a, a Bernie supporter um, during the primary. And, uh, you know, I was disappointed that he lost the primary which we'll, we'll return to later because that that comes up in this the movie and I, you know I went and voted for Hillary that day and I felt good you know I I felt good about it uh, I thought whether or not I agreed with all of Hillary's politics um, I know that I disagreed with all of Trump's, and uh, that, you know, made the, the decision very easy for me. And so I was at work that night, and, you know, the, the results came in, and president-elect Donald Trump. And it, it you know, it, I, I didn't really understand what that meant at the time. I didn't know what was going to happen. I don't think anyone necessarily did. Uh, even Trump himself. I, I don't know that we were aware, you know, what was going to be happening once, you know, he, he was sworn in. I know that there were people I worked with who didn't vote, uh, but were upset that he won, which is frustrating in its own right. I know that in the days and weeks leading up to the election, a lot of people that I worked with um would joke about saying that they were going to vote for him. And when he won, and he won Pennsylvania, which I live in, uh, I wondered if they had, if maybe they weren't joking. And it was kind of a scary thought. And I, I don't say that because I, I you know, it, it's not about my party. You know, I'm an independent. I, I don't, I mean, I don't like either party as a party really but it just the the rhetoric and the way he talked about people the way he uh changed his stance seemingly from one conversation to the next the way that uh his his words were not meant to mean anything uh they were meant to incite uh you know Rage. They were meant to incite, uh, and and did incite violence. They uh, led to, you know, these rallies that he held were raucous and loud and packed with people, and I I couldn't, you know, I personally couldn't fathom that feeling that 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 somehow that that connection that so many people had with him. But they had it, and, and it showed, you know, he didn't win the popular vote, but he 
won enough states that it didn't matter. So, you know, here we were with uh, Trump as president. So what this documentary tries to do is question how we got to that point. What led us, what really got us to a point where Trump is president? And, and on its, you know, you, you put that question in front of Michael Moore, and I, I think a lot of us have an idea of what that movie is going to look like. I think we all could kind of, you know, oh, it's just going to be slamming Trump, it's going to be anti-Trump, you know, he's a doofus, he's an idiot, he's he's stupid, he, he he's conning the American public, fake news, uh, you know, so on and so forth. And uh, to be honest, you know, there is a there is that that that's the first, you know, 30 minutes, 20, 20 minutes of the movie is that it's probably exactly what you expect. And then it's not. And then we we take a trip through a lot of other things that that are, that are, are tangentially and, and sometimes um, uh, tangentially related and then sometimes even overlap uh, with 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 what's going on and, and with what's you know what else is happening and and so we talk about Rick Snyder uh, if you don't know who Rick Snyder is he is the uh, g- governor of of Michigan of Flint mayor mayor of Flint I'm gonna look it up Rick Snyder just so I know what it is. governor Rick Snyder Michigan's governor. Uh, so Rick Snyder, and this ties into Flint, Michigan, uh, where Michael Moore is from. Flint, Michigan, and Michigan itself are, are located in one of the best spots in the world to get fresh water, surrounded by the lakes. And Rick Snyder became governor, and then there is a pipeline that runs from the lake to Flint, which is how they get their water. Pretty pretty straightforward. Uh, Snyder uh, did a thing where he stopped letting the water come in that way and built a whole new pipeline. Uh, supp- uh, you know, a, su- a superfluous pipeline. But, uh, you know, whatever. Uh, he built a new pipeline, which in and of itself uh, is unnecessary, but... I don't know, it created jobs, and, and, you know, maybe there was a reason for that. Uh, But the problem is, while they were building the new pipeline, they they didn't put any water through the old one. So now Flint was getting its water from the Flint River, which is not clean, perfect, fresh water. It is dirty. It is filled with lead, and uh, who knows what else. And so Flint has all of a sudden dirty water, poisoned water that kids are drinking, that adults are drinking, uh, and it is hurting people, it is killing people, uh, and Rick Snyder's not doing a damn thing about it. He, you know, the documentary goes through, you know, he's not stopping anything he has repeatedly stated that there's no problems that it's all fine and 
So, so this is, you know, this is one of the three main threads of the film, is this Rick Snyder poisoned water flint story. And at no point do we get, you know, a line from Michael Moore saying, this is what, Don, that, you know, Trump looks at this and he's doing the same thing on a global scale or a, or a national scale. And, and to a degree, he's not, you know, he, he there's... Not in the same way, you know. Plenty of people in the country are dying. Plenty of people are, are hurt, but but not, you know, we're not suddenly drinking poisoned water from the tap like Flint, Michigan is. You know, it's a little bit, it's it's a little different. You know, I think if Trump is poisoning anything, it is our ears. It is the media. He has poisoned the media to the point where a lot of people don't believe them. Uh, to the point where they don't believe themselves, where they don't have trust and faith in each other, where they're, you know they're, you know the the term fake news has been bandied about so much that uh, we don't know what real news is anymore. Some people, anyway. So so there's that side of things. Uh, you know the the other the second narrative thread is Trump himself and you know who he is and what he represents and how he. Uh, how he came to be and that is where things get really interesting in my opinion because I I, I prob I, I think a lot of people and I, I include myself in this group uh, when when he was campaigning when he was running for president when you know during the election period I thought uh, this is a guy who has a lot of money this is a guy who is used to getting everything he wants. This is a guy who has lived under a democratic president for eight years and has not benefited as much as the you know, middle-class citizen and resents this and wants to change things. And I, I think while I may not be incorrect on any of those thoughts, uh, certainly there's a lot more to it than that. Certainly, definitely there's a lot more to it than that. And Moore really doesn't pull any punches here. He takes down Trump. Uh, he attacks. But but more than that, he attacks Hillary. He attacks Obama. He attacks the Democratic National Convention. Uh, and it isn't it's 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 shocking it's harrowing it is scary the things that he has at his disposable you know the facts you know ignoring you know his own you know narration his own rhetoric that he had, that accompanies everything he's showing us the things we're seeing are just so blatantly wrong and so obviously, you know, just just inhumane and that go against everything this country is supposed to represent uh, or used to be about. And I, I find that meaning meaningful. I, I think that that makes this documentary worth seeing. Uh, 
I, I never count myself as someone who is the most politically savvy. I don't follow politics uh, on a daily basis. I have a vague idea of what's happening, but but that's really it. And I, I think, you know, I get most of my politics from John Oliver. But that said, there's a lot in this that I, I couldn't have even thought you know i was someone i was one of those people who was super happy so excited that obama was president i was thrilled i you know he he was the first president i ever voted for i voted for him once twice i don't know if i was old enough i wasn't old enough the first time he ran voted for him once he you know and it, it was you know, I, I was ecstatic, and uh, you know, I, I'm here to um, f- sad to report that he he didn't fix things, and and you know that's a heavy weight to put on any any one person. But man, like, you know, I was in favor of Obamacare. I was glad that that was a thing for as long as it was, but there were so many things I, I wasn't a fan of that he did. And, and this is a, a point that more really speaks to is that Democrats for a long period of time, uh, uh, he, he cites, uh, Bill Clinton as, as sort of the, um, usher of this, this time Democrats have moved further and further and further to the center. They have compromised, they have sacrificed, and uh, agreed to give up the things that they actually think in favor of being of reaching across the aisle, so to speak. Which, on its face value, is totally a, a worthy sentiment, right? Like, it is, it's empowering, it's, it's very wonderful to have people who are willing to make that take that step who are willing to reach out and try to agree with someone who doesn't think the same things they do it's such i i think for better or worse uh, i i think the the feelings at the heart of it are are come from a good a, a good place but the problem there is that the other side of things, the the Republicans, they're not doing that. They couldn't care less. They don't give a fuck about compromise. And we've seen examples of that already uh, with uh, Obama's nomination to the Supreme Court. We have seen that uh, with uh, Obamacare and, and so on and so forth. They, they're not willing to make any concessions. They are not going to do it. And... That just forces, I mean, it doesn't force Democrats to do anything, but it has resulted in Democrats easing closer and closer and closer and closer and closer and closer and closer to where the Republicans are. And to the point where, you know, Clinton was very centrist, both Bill and Hillary are very centrist, Uh, Obama was also centrist uh, during his time as president, and, uh, you know, that's... I mean, I, I won't say that that's worse than Republican values, 
but it's it's still it's frustrating because it, that's not uh, now there's there's no spectrum you know the spectrum is 0 to 100 not negative 100 to 100 anymore you know every buddy on the spectrum is right wing it's just how far are you now basically which is which would you know i wouldn't i i would i would still have a problem with that but I could understand that if the country was right wing and it's not. The country is really left. <laughs> uh, more, you know, cites a couple dozen uh, survey statistics that have been taken with the last few years about every issue. Well, not every, I mean, maybe every issue, but he, he specifies, you know, a couple dozen issues and Every single one is 55 to 70% majority left, left-leaning. Every single one. And then we look at our representation in politics, in Congress, and in, in the presidency, in the Supreme Court. We look at the state level, we look at the county level, you know, we look everywhere. And it is predominantly, predominantly Republican. So, so why is that? What, what is happening to make that so? I, I don't know. I, I personally, I don't have all the answers. Michael Moore does not have all the answers. I don't think anybody has all the answers. But some of the things he points to, some of the suspicious, curious, uh, scary trickling of things that are happening, that, you know, it's, it's the holes in the dam that are not even being plugged up, and, and we're just ignoring them. Things like uh, West Virginia during the Democratic primary in 2016 has 55 counties, and, and Trump talks to people, or not Trump, uh, Moore, Michael Moore talks to people who ran those, who, who had those results, who, who were file, uh, you know, filing those results, who were tall, uh, tallying those votes. Every single county voted in favor of Bernie Sanders. Whether you liked him or not, West Virginia was 100% county on a county basis in favor of Bernie Sanders. Sure, West Virginia isn't the biggest state in the con- in the in the country. Um, not every state was 100% Bernie Sanders, but they were. Then. Cut to the Democratic National Convention, where, and and I didn't watch this live. I, I you know I'm not a Democrat or Republican, so I, I wasn't able to vote in the um, the primary. But at the Democratic National Convention, where Hillary was declared the uh, presidential nominee for the Repu- for the Democrats, they ask West Virginia's representative how they vote. And they had, I believe, 37 delegates, which, as far as I'm concerned, should have all gone to Bernie. I mean, makes sense to me. Uh, Or, if not all of them, the majority of them, right? I think I saw on the list that he had like 110,000 votes and Hillary had 70. So, you know, quick math tells you that he got 61% of the vote across the whole state, uh, which 
would be equivalent of 22 and a half, a little more than 20, so 23 delegates. So he would have won the state 23 to 14. Sure. I mean, that's fine. That, I, I could I could understand if that was the result. If it was that, if it was 100% to zero or, you know, whatever. But it wasn't. They gave 18 delegates to Bernie and 19 to Hillary. But why? What, what, why? Then we see they ask the same thing of all these other states. And Bernie won all these other states. And Hillary still got more delegates from those states. But why? I, I don't understand. Logistically, I don't understand. Uh, if if this country is supposed to be a democracy, then the will of the people is what we follow. And if the people want one thing instead of another, that's what they should get. If the people want Al Gore instead of George W. Bush, if they want Hillary instead of Trump, if they want Bernie instead of Hillary, they should have those things. And yet, none of those happened. He makes, he makes a point, six of the last seven presidential elections, the popular vote has gone to the Democrat, the Democratic candidate. And... Or, or, yeah, and and only four of those six times did they win, which is puzzling. It's very, very frustrating. It's very, very confusing, and I don't know. I, I'm just. I'm. I'm very very sad. I remember the morning after Trump was elected, I, I was on my way home from work, still kind of feeling the, the aftermath of everything, concerned for my own well-being and the well-being of everyone else in the country. And I called my grandparents. I, I used to call them a lot when I wa- walked while I was on my walks home from work. And I talked to my granddad about the results and, you know, he, my grandparents are Democrats and he was upset that Trump won, but far less upset than I was and even said something to the effect of, you know, well, let's see how it goes. Let's see what happens. And in a, in a certain certain sense, I, I agree. I think he's right. You know, until he's actually president, until he actually is doing things, who knows what kind of a president he can be. But I I was not so so cautiously optimistic, uh, or you know, cautiously pessimistic. I was terrified and you know this is a guy who before he was elected had 
made uh, derogatory comments about various groups of people. Uh, he was, uh, you know, caught on 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 video, on an audio, as someone who does not respect women, as someone who is, you know, blatantly, blatantly disregarding a whole number of, of personal privacies, personal respects, uh, and so forth, be it, you know, the, the, uh, the grabber by the pussy comment that he made, which is awful to his Miss, Miss America pageant shenanigans that I, I think are, are deplorable and, and, and so much other stuff, you know, uh, it's, it's, it's all, you know, none of that is, becoming of a person none of it uh, and not only that but during his campaign he was very hurtful hateful antagonistic he would encourage violence he you know it, it just it never stopped. It didn't stop. It, it just went on and on and on and on. I watched the movie. It was a primetime showing. Theater was pretty full. There were about 60, 60 some people in it. I was maybe not the youngest person there, but the vast majority of people in the theater were 60 or more, 60 or older, I would say. And everyone it didn't seem like anybody there was pro-trump I, I don't know who's pro-trump that's going to see this movie anyway but the crowd was generally responsive to to the movie uh you know ooing and eyeing and clapping and cheering and gasping and uh you know like mm-hmm like mm-hmm yeah that's what i'm that's what mm-hmm and I get that. I, I I felt similarly watching parts of it. You know, like why didn't we see the signs? And and you know why why this that and the other. But what what I took away from it, what made the biggest impression on me, was when the credits rolled, and everybody got up to get to leave. More than half of the people leaving the theater were smiling or laughing. smiling or laughing now i'll admit there are moments in the movie that are funny uh there are moments that are you know you know i that made me smile there are hopeful prideful moments in the film but to to come out of that thinking that anything is okay is is stunning i i was i was dumbfounded that all of these people, all these people, watched the same thing I watched and weren't, at least visibly, deeply concerned for the direction the country is headed. Regardless of your feelings on Trump, it, you know, it's, it's, far, it's far bigger than Trump. It's the system. It's a broken system. It, it you know, the, there's... No, 
there is a majority of people in the country that all think similar things. And the fact that the representation of that country does not, that that just absolutely disagrees with those, those principles makes no sense. You know, whether you want to blame the 1%, whether you want to blame um, um, gerrymandering, whether you want to blame, uh, you know, just, just it's the people, you know, the people who don't vote or the media or social media, whatever you want to blame, everything is complicit. Everything can be blamed and, and it would make sense, I think. It's, it's very, very disheartening to experience and to see. So, so what? So I watched all these people walk out and I, I i've said before i'm not usually someone who sits and waits for the end of the credits uh this was the first time the first time this has ever happened to me i have been kicked out of a movie theater because i stayed there too long and i i say kicked out it wasn't like i was forcibly removed i was just asked to leave and then about five minutes later, I was asked more forcibly to leave. And the reason I was still there, there was an older European woman who was sitting at the end of the aisle that I was in. And a few seconds after the credits started to roll, uh, she started to talk to me. There was one seat between us. Uh, she hadn't even been sitting there the whole movie. I think she'd left to go to the bathroom or get a drink or something and and when she came back I was in the back so she sat in the back so she didn't have to navigate to her seat again and she leaned over and she was talking to me about the about the movie about the documentary and one you know we talked about you know she she's seeing all of this from an outside perspective she we talked about Obama there was a big ridiculous thing that Obama did with regards to Flint and I had no idea I had no idea that it happened and it was disgusting I I couldn't believe he'd do that and now I'm sure he's done more than that that I would have been very unhappy with uh but she she was not you know she's not from the United States so uh, she, she, you know, she asked me about what, what, what the title meant. Why was it eleven nine and you know nine eleven and, ex- and asked that about asked about that. Uh, you know, she had seen most of Michael Moore's documentaries as I had, and we just were talking. And eventually, they asked us to leave, and we kept talking. And then they asked us to leave, and so we left. And we can we continued to talk. And you know, she was so nice <laughs> she was a really nice nice lady and uh, it was a great conversation and I, I you know I'm a very shy person and and so I was not readily um, forthcoming 
I guess. You know, I, I'm, I'm the kind of person that if we're in a conversation, most of the, the, the dialogue is initiated by the other person. That's kind of, I don't, I don't know. I just, I don't bring topics to the discussion. I react to them more often than, than not. And so, you know, she was driving the conversation. We talked about Fahrenheit 11.9 and we talked about Obama. And we talked about Trump and politics. And she talked about friends of hers who, you know, came to the United States and had this outward outside appearance. And uh, it was, it was fascinating. It was great. I, I wish I, I wish I remembered it better. I wish I, I could could really talk about it. We talked about um, writing and books and and so on. And it, it was just so it was so great. I, I despite all the all the anguish and uh, frustration I had having seen the film, uh, having this this you know, exchange with a person. I, I don't know her name. We didn't exchange names. I don't know where she's from. She just said Europe. I, I couldn't really place the accent. I didn't know why she was there. I, I didn't know anything. We just bonded over this movie uh, that, you know, she wasn't really fully aware of the details because she's from a different country, and I wasn't fully aware of the details because I'm, you know, I'm on the younger side. I, I'm not, you know, big on politics. So and and you know, I you know, the two of us sat there in the theater as the credits rolled with these solemn, contemplative looks on our face. Uh, and it took both of us a while to smile during the conversation so so that said uh, that said um what what's the next step so the film does a lot to talk about how the fuck we got to having trump as president and uh, you know, compare, and, and then also, you know, we get this story about Rick Snyder and Flint. The third and other final narrative line of the film, because uh, I remember about halfway through, about an hour into the movie, I was like, all right, I am suitably depressed. <laughs> I am very, you've, you've beaten me down, Michael Moore. I am, I'm on the, I am prone on the ground. Where's the hope? Where is the ray of light? What 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 is this just going to be the most depressing thing ever or is there a, a light at the end of this tunnel? And the third narrative is the third through line is is that light. And so the third line talks about uh the the Parkland student activists, survivors of the shooting. Uh it talks about in the wake of of Trump, you, all of the people, all of the people who have now started to run for office to to run against uh, people who have been unopposed for decades in their uh, uh, positions and you know it, it's there's 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 hope there's actual hope there and it's 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 very uplifting to see the strength of these teenagers uh, these people who will inherit the earth, in a, you know, to coin a phrase, uh, to who will hopefully 
these kids who will grow up and when they are able to change everything. They're already changing everything. Um, they are running for office. They are supporting, you know, they, they sent, they, they pulled together without a single adult to help them the biggest protest the country had ever seen. They sh- we see teachers who, are, who protested in West Virginia and started a movement. And, and these things are very uplifting. You know, and it's interesting. I, I saw a different movie today that I, I liken to, to what I'm about to say. And, and there's a quote from it that said, out of everybody in the world... There are 10 people, or rather, 10% of people are cruel, sadistic. Uh, the other 10, and then there's another 10% who are compassionate and merciful. And then there's 80% that can be swayed in either direction. 80%. I, I don't know if those numbers are right. Who knows? But... It gives me hope that 10 years, 5 years maybe, 15, who knows, when the people in power now, some of the people in power now, have stepped down or passed on or lost their seat at the table, that hopefully that seat will be replaced by someone my age. Someone who better represents the thoughts of our country. People who can point, who can steer the ship the way all of the passengers want it to be steered. Or the majority of the passengers want it to be steered. Now, I'm a, I'm a very liberal person. I, I want everyone to be able to have everything. I want everyone to be able to make a living wage. I want everyone to have equal rights. I want everyone who does the same work to be paid the same. I think education costs too much. I think teachers make too little. I think... If you have more money, you should pay a lot more taxes because I wish I, I would if I could. I think we spend too much on our military and we engage in too many. Uh, I think we, we engage with too many people and we don't spend uh, our funds correctly in the military. I think we should have socialized health care, free health care, quote unquote, free health care for everybody. I think there are way too many problems in our own country to be spending so much time, energy, and resources on helping other countries to the extent that we are. Not that I don't, I don't think they deserve our help, but just that we haven't even, we're not even okay. How can we make other people okay if we're not okay? I think the Electoral College is bullshit. 
uh, or it should function as it's supposed to, which it didn't. I think immigration is a good thing. One of the things that I love about the United States, and I've said this in the past, I don't know if on this podcast or not, but one of the things I absolutely love is that I can walk down the street, pass 50 people, and I can see people with, I can see 10 different skin colors. I can see, I can visibly see, you know, a dozen different religions. I can see people of every age, of every ethnicity, of every background. I can see all these different types of people. People from every single walk of life live in this country. I can listen to people talk in English, in Spanish, in Mandarin, in Japanese, in French, in German. I've heard all these languages in, in my city. Just in this city. And this isn't even, you know, the how many, and think of all the cities bigger than Pittsburgh. I don't know how many there are. But there's more, I don't know, there's a lot. I'm going to kind of look it up. It's, a, it's not one of the top ten largest, so... Oh, here we go. There's a list. Uh, oh, my goodness. We're not even in top 50? There are at least 50 cities in this country bigger than Pittsburgh. More people. And I hear all of these languages. I see all of these people in my city. I love that. I love that everyone doesn't look like me. I love that everyone has these different viewpoints. That everyone brings these different ways of life into mine. I don't want to live in a place where it feels like I'm looking into a hall of mirrors every time I see all these other people. Where everything I think, where what I look like, what I feel, what I do is reflected right back at me by everyone around me. That sounds miserable. I think there are a lot of places in the world where things aren't great. And things can be so great here. They can. They have been. Parts of it still are. That's why people want to be here. And I, I, I don't believe that having these people here diminishes our country at all. It doesn't. It adds to it. It's, it's a big part of the reason why at the Olympics every year, the United States can compete in everything. Everything. We can compete in sports that we don't even, kids here don't even play. How, how like, I, I think that's fascinating. I think it's a little fucked up, but I think it's fascinating. 
I think there are too many good parts, positive elements about this country, the way it's supposed to work, uh, the, the opportunities afforded to the people in it, to let it just wither and, and, and die. To let it just succumb to this, this, this tyranny of people who don't represent what the country believes. People who want, who, who, who can't tolerate languages that aren't English. People who refuse to, to you know, people, you know, who, no one runs for office anymore if they aren't, if they can't, you know, if, if they aren't religious. And I know a significant percentage of this country is, is not religious. It's not reflected in, in politics, though. People who aren't white, people who aren't male, people who aren't, you know, well off, all of them are, are beaten down by policies and police and, uh, you know, privileges, uh, you know, till, till they're begging for mercy. We live in a society now where everyone's on their phone all the time. We're listening to music. We're on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. We have so much input or input entering our brains, entering our eyes and our ears. We listen to podcasts. We're watching TV. And we're doing all this while we're engaging with whoever's around us in, in real life. We're texting in class. We are tweeting at the movies. We are taking selfies at baseball games and videotaping parties and dancing and, and dinner and pictures of our food. And, you know, it's... it's, it's on and on and on. Everyone is so ingrained in everyone else's life. The ease of, you know, I, I recently had to find somebody else to live with in my apartment with me. All I had was his name. And I was able to find you know, his social media, I saw what he looked like, what was going on in his life, I knew what he did, I, I, you know, I figured all these things out, like, click of a button, type of, you know, fucking 15 letters typed into Google. Everyone has that at the at their fingertips now. This is, and, and, and yet, I feel as though the internet and social media 
and 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 so forth and and it's and their contemporaries everything in there in it is is everything about this this new way of life that's that's happened is being demonized by a lot of people which is a shame uh because we're at a point now where kids young people younger than me social media raised them that's what they've known their whole lives and it you know that's it's not going away if facebook shut down tomorrow if an instagram the day after that and then twitter they'd find something it's not just you know you would have to shut down the internet completely and you know that's it's not going to happen kids are raised by social media and that has brought them into touch with so many people people that i've never met in person i am friends with through the internet, through the computer, through social media. And I love that. I cherish that. If I can be friends with someone that I've never seen in person, that I've never looked at in the eye, that I've never touched, that I've never you know, felt in the same room as me, like what, what, what are the limitations? There are none. If, if these connections can be made through a screen, surely, surely, they can be made in person with people that don't always think the same thing that you do. Surely, it's possible that the world doesn't have to be all white men. It doesn't have to be all straight white men. Straight cis white men. Surely we can grow and incorporate every vantage point. Surely People who live in Europe, or Africa, or Asia, or Australia, or South America, Antarctica, surely their points of view, their opinions, their thoughts can be meaningful to us. That we can use what's worked for them to improve ourselves. Because we don't know better. We think we do, but we don't know better. We may have the strongest military in the world, but the fuck does that mean? Does that mean we have no homeless people? Does that mean we our teachers aren't on food stamps? Does that, does that mean that we have great education that everyone can afford? Medicare, healthcare for everyone? Does that mean that no one has to work two jobs to support their family? Sure as hell doesn't. But there are countries out there where those things are true. 
There are countries where everyone does have those things, where everyone has those opportunities. They seem to be doing just fine. They seem to be doing more than fine. Countries where there aren't 50 school shootings a year. Where kids aren't dying in their classrooms. Where police aren't shooting unarmed black people. It's all happening here. Why? Because we're doing something right? Because we're better? That's why all that's happening for us? Because we're successful? Because we're stronger than them? So it's okay that all that stuff happens here? Look, I, I don't have the answers. I don't know what bill I could propose if I were in Congress to get it passed. Uh, if I, if I, you know, if I were president, I, I wouldn't know the first thing to do. But I know enough that I know, and I've, I'm, I'm perceptive and observant enough to know that there are possibilities, there are options. There are ways to make things better. Why can't we just do them? Why can't we try them? I don't know. I don't know. It's really depressing. It's really, really depressing. I get real sad when I think about this country, this country, the United States of America. <laughs> it's it's a it's not good times. It took us hundreds of years for every adult to be able to even vote in this so-called democracy. And there's a lot of adults that really just can't vote even now for one reason or another. There's so much potential in this country. I have met so many amazing people in this country. People from my high school, people I've worked with, people I've met online, people in the street, family, friends, strangers, people I've just seen on TV. So many people that I think are great. And yet, 
despite all of that, despite all of that, um, things aren't great. People I follow on Twitter that, man, I wish I lived in their district to vote for them. People I follow on Twitter that, you know, man, like, you could be president. (laughs) But at the same time, part of me feels like that's not reality. And not only is it not reality, but reality doesn't work that way. Because even though this country claims to be governed by the people, it isn't. We think it is, but it isn't. That's why Bernie Sanders can win the primary in West Virginia and Hillary still gets more delegates. It's why Hillary can get more votes in the general election and Trump becomes president. It's why more people didn't vote in the general election than voted for either candidate. It's, it's, there's so much wrong with everything. And I can only hope that there are, there continue to be enough rays of sunshine peeking through the clouds, the dark gloomy overhang thunderclouds that cover the sky. I hope that enough rays of sunlight can shine through before we all go blind. I hope that the activists, the Parkland students, don't stop. That teachers refuse to accept pay well beyond, well below what they deserve. That protests and demonstrations continue, despite how they are disregarded in the new print media, despite what little effects they may or may not even have. You know, maybe Fahrenheit 11.9, maybe it doesn't make you feel the way it makes me feel. That's okay. Maybe you support Trump and you wouldn't even watch the movie. But, you know, maybe you think things are just fine. Even then, even then... It, it even then 
how how do you not see the injustices all around us every day every day Okay, okay, uh, yeah, um, Fahrenheit 11.9, uh, <laughs> I think it's a good documentary, I, I don't think it's one of Michael Moore's best, I don't think it's as good as Fahrenheit 9.11, I don't think it's as good as, um, um, oh, now I can't think of the name, um, There's another one before that one. The big one, I like the big one, I like Sicko. And I don't think it's as good as Bowling for Columbine. But I think it's good. I think it has a lot more to offer than you would expect from a Michael Moore documentary. I think that even if it's not what you believe, even if it's not what you want to express, there's a, there's a lot in in it that that is more than just Trump, more than just the country's a shithole. <laughs> shithole. And uh, as far you know, all I can say is just like. Michael Moore wants is make sure you vote. Make sure you vote. So that's it for today's episode. Um, apologies for the despair and sadness, but uh, let's head on over to the outro provided by Meg Burquist. Thanks. Thank you for listening to today's episode. If you would like to listen to more episodes, you can find this podcast at circleoffilm.com or on iTunes. Don't forget to rate and review. If you'd like to follow Ryan on Twitter, you can find him at circleoffilm or contact him through email at circleoffilm at gmail.com. You can also support the show at patreon.com slash circle film for as little as eight cents an episode. Thank you again for listening and have a week. So long, farewell, I'll be the same night. I know she'll never leave me, even as she fails.